Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Somebody say amen. Second Chronicles chapter 30, reading with verse 1. We are so glad to everyone that has made their way to the house of God on this Easter Sunday. Just remain standing. We're going to read the word and you can be seated. Look at your neighbor and tell them Happy Easter. Tell somebody it's a Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate Him. He's alive. Somebody shout, He's alive. Amen. Thank you for being here and taking time to be at the house of God. No place I'd rather be. Second Chronicles chapter 30. If this is your first time, we hope you come back next week. We hope you come back. If you've been here all your life, we want you to still come back next week. Amen. Awesome. Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 1. And those that are watching by way of the web, we want to welcome you as well. We realize you want to be here. We'd love to be here if you live near or we're feeling better. We pray that God blesses you today in your home. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel, 2 Chronicles 31. Everybody say, to all Israel and Judah. It used to be one nation, but because of Solomon's sins, it's now divided into two nations. Israel, Judah, there were 12 tribes. They were all in Jerusalem, and that was their capital city. When Solomon sinned, ten tribes separated and went to the north into a town or city called Samaria, that area. And Samaria is now their capital city. What was once united has now been divided because of sin. Until Hezekiah. Because you give me a praying man, I'll show you some things that start coming together. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and to Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Everybody say home. Jerusalem represented home. It represented normalcy. It represented what God had planned, what, what had been in your life. To keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. Verse 5, so they established a decree the law to make proclamation throughout where? All Israel, from Beersheba even to Dan, that they should come to keep the Passover, that's the, the, the slain of the Lamb, the Day of Atonement that they celebrated, coming out of Egypt when the Lamb was slain. That's why we celebrate the way we do, because Jesus was the spotless Lamb. He's the perfect sacrifice. And it says to keep the Passover under the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem, for they had not done it of a long time in such sort as it was written. So the post or the postman or the mailman went with letters from the king and his princes throughout all, where? And, and Judah. And according to the commandment of the king saying, ye children of Israel. I want everybody to say the next two words. Turn again. Turn 
Again, he said, unto the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And he will return to the remnant of you that are escaped out of the hand of the kings of Assyria. Verse 9, for if you turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that lead them captive so that they shall come again into this land. Everybody say promised land. For the Lord your God is gracious and he's merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return unto him. Somebody say amen. Look at your neighbor and say you can turn again. Lord, I pray for this word today that everybody in this house would be touched by your spirit. Lord, move upon them mightily, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The scripture says, and it was a long time since this has happened. A long time. When I I hear that, it reminds me of a story of a preacher that was traveling and he was on an airplane and he was sitting beside a stranger, some man, and and they started having an airplane conversation. What do you do? Where are you from? And the man man, uh, tells him, he said, well, I'm I'm a preacher of United Pentecostal Church. And when he said that, the man peeked out through the window of the plane And he said, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. And just for a moment, he gazed out the window of the airplane. And he said, well, what what do you mean? What's been a long time? He said, I was a POW. I was a prisoner of war in the Vietnam War. And he said, they had us in these cages type things. And he said, every night they would come in to beat us. We were prisoners in a strange land in Vietnam. He said, but every night there was this guy who was a member of a United Pentecostal church that was also a prisoner of war. He said, every night when the enemy would leave, you would hear him start singing, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath his crimson blood. I heard an old, old story. How was from glory? How he paid the price on Calvary to save a wretch like me. It's a powerful song. He said every night when the enemy would leave, he would start singing. And he said what I remember about those moments is we named him Victory. And we knew that Victory had a song. Can I tell you today, you might be wondering why you've got Nehemiah up here jumping up and down and singing. I'm going to tell you why. Because his victory has a song. Victory has a song. You'll find that there is a man by the name of Hezekiah. I just read about him just a moment ago. 
Hezekiah is in a predicament as a new king. Hezekiah is surrounded by a man, a king of Assyria that has proclaimed war nearly against every nation. And every nation he comes against, it appears that he wins. That king's name was Sennacherib. Sennacherib threatened every nation really in the world in that region at that time. But there was this man by the name of Hezekiah. There was something in him that wanted not to have defeat, but everybody say to have victory. You know what he did? He got the word of God out. He went to the church that had been shut, the the temple, the house of God, the doors of it had been shut. His father's name was Ahaz, who nailed the doors of the church shut. Why? Because he had turned his heart and the nation had turned their hearts toward idols. His dad's name was Jotham, but Jotham not one time. Hezekiah's grandfather went to the house of God. His father was named Uzziah. Did that was right in the eyes of the Lord. Prosperity, blessing was on the family. Everything was amazing. But at the end of his life, he turned away from God and it affected his family. Hezekiah's dad did not only nail the doors of the church shut so nobody could go. Everybody say the house of God. He caused him, his own son, Hezekiah, to walk through fires of heathen gods. He walked through fires of altars. He would have, Hezekiah would have had scars on his feet because of the decisions of his father. This was called asceticism. How many's ever seen fire walkers from different countries where they walk barefooted through fires? That was a religious practice of false religions. Hezekiah had scars on his body because of the decisions that his father made his grandfather made and his great-grandfather made that led them away from God. There's a, church, there's a term in Christianity. We say it something like this. Have you heard? So-and-so's back in church now. You know what that means? They're back serving the Lord again. Have you heard? They've been coming back to the house of God. Why is there a phrase, a cliche that way? Why? Because the house of God is a place where you have communion or relationship with the Lord. All the way back from Bethel with Abraham. Bethel with Jacob, house of God. This is where God deals with man. You'll find it in the wilderness with the tabernacle where God would appear before his people. The temple was built in Solomon's day and it was a place where God would visit his people. Can I tell you today, for some of you in this room, you might be saying it's been a long time. It's been a long time time because somewhere like Solomon his sin to bring idolatry and other gods into Jerusalem it caused separation it caused it caused under his son when sin came in it caused the family to separate it it destroyed the family function it destroyed the family unity can I say to you today sin always separates look at your neighbor and say sin will divide I'm not going to be a preacher who looks at these young people and tell them, well, sin's no fun. The Bible calls it the pleasure of sin. Sin is fun. You're going, to, you're going to enjoy sin. Sin's going to be good. But what you don't forget is that when the season of sin, the pleasure of sin is for a season, when it's over, here comes separation. Here comes bondage. Here comes addiction. What started out as a drink of alcohol and getting a buzz and feeling good wasn't long until you can't lay it down. 
Not long till you can't get rid of the dope. You can't get rid of the pills. You can't get rid of this. You can't sleep at night. You, your body's failing. Your, 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 your body's messing up. Why? Because what started in sin always ends in division. And here it is. You'll find that the nation has been separated from Rehoboam all the way to Hosea. Listen to me here today as I preach to you. For over 200 years, they were separated. There was no Passover feast together. They did their thing in Samaria and they worshiped God in Samaria in their own way. And in Judah, the tribe of Judah, they worshiped God in Jerusalem. But guess what? It's a bad day. The doors are now shut. Nobody's going to church. There's no feast of the Passover. There's no talk about the Lamb. There's no talk about Jehovah. There's no talk about what God is doing. There's no conversation in the home. Nobody's talking about God. They don't even think about God. They're just worshiping eagle-headed men. They're worshiping gods that are part man and part fish. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want to worship an animal. Look at your neighbor and say, don't worship Buddha. He's a little overweight anyhow, but somebody walked in one time to a restaurant and said, hey, Buddha. Buddha's just sitting there, you know. They're fruit laying, and he's eating too much, I think. Hey, Buddha, they said. Buddha, Buddha. If you're in there, Buddha. Well, Buddha never moved because there's no such thing as a God called Buddha. It's a man-made. It's a man-made God. My concern is we will replace. Listen, in the end time, everybody hold up two fingers. Two fingers. There's two prevailing spirits in the end time. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. It also talks about the Antichrist. Mark of the beast, the 666, all those things that you hear about. Listen to me. Another word for Antichrist is not just against Christ. It's instead of Christ. It's what you allow in your life to keep you from Christ. It's what you allow in your life to keep you from worshiping God. It's alternatives to Christ. And if you're not careful, your children will grow up knowing nothing about God, nothing about Easter, nothing about resurrection. And I'm going to tell you what, they'll know defeat instead of victory. It's convicting and it's getting quiet. But it's just the truth of the matter. I'm so glad one day when my dad was thinking about, thinking about not serving God, thinking about not going to the house of the Lord, staying home, that he said to himself, he said, what's going to happen to my boys if I don't take them to the house of God? I'm going to tell you where they end up. They end up as firewalkers with scars from false religions and false ways and sins that leave damages up on their body, damaged relationships, damaged emotions, damaged things, addictions they can't lay down, just, just, just trying to find something good looking for and that's who Ahaz was Ahaz was a man that caused his son to be scarred through his own decisions but when Hezekiah stood up and realized I have an opportunity I have an option he got in the word and realized it doesn't matter how far you are away from God how long you've been away from God you can turn to him again you can come to him again it's for you, it's for your children, it's for, it doesn't matter how far off they are, you can come to him again. Somebody say amen. When he read it, 
when he read it in the scripture, when he saw what was needed, there was something, a revival that began to stir in him. There was new life that sort of came into this king. And the Bible says it happened suddenly when he went around and began to talk to people. He started talking to his leaders. He started talking to the people in, the, in Jerusalem. He said, we gotta open up the doors to the house of God. We can't have a community that doesn't have a house of God. Can I ask you today, what would happen in your life, in your family, if daddy stopped praying, if mama stopped praying, if the church stopped existing? I'm gonna tell you what would happen. You would be long gone, but because there's an altar in your life, an altar in your world that God responds to, he makes cancer disappear. He causes, he causes healing to come to you. There's an answer to prayer that God brings. Let me preach to you. Hezekiah got so excited that people in the same condition, knowing that Sennacherib is gonna try to conquer our family. Sennacherib's coming after my marriage. Sennacherib's coming after my kids. Sennacherib is coming after my babies. He's gonna turn them into slaves. He's gonna turn them into bondage. Can I tell you, he is like the devil. The devil would love to destroy your mind, destroy your marriage, destroy your children. He would love to do it, but there's a Hezekiah in the room that says, I've had enough. Enough is enough. You're not getting my family. You're not getting my mind. You're not gonna get my children. Somebody say amen. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you can turn this thing around. Tired of depression, tired of insomnia, tired of fear, tired of worrying, tired of thinking about dying. Sennacherib is a threat. He gets everybody together. They open the doors of the church. They clean out the waste that have been in the church. They rebuild the altars. They set up the altar of incense and the table of Shubra. They got it ready. When they did, they got everybody together. And guess what they did? They started singing. Hadn't happened yet. The breakthrough hadn't happened yet. But they started singing because they knew if I will live according to his word, God is about to show up in my life. Look at your neighbor say, God's about to show up in your life. Come on, I'll tell you today, God's about to show up in your family. God's about to show up and fix that marriage. God's about to show up and fix that wayward child. God's a, I feel like telling somebody, God is about to show up in this city. God's about to show up and do for you what you can't do by yourself. What the counselor can't fix. What the medication can't, God is able. Somebody shout, God is able. Clap your hands and shout, God is able. I'm sort of stirred up this morning, can you tell? I can't help it. You didn't come here to go to sleep. Hope you didn't come leaving, amen. Food's gonna be waiting on you when you leave. But listen to what I'm telling you. There was something stirring in him. I don't want my life to be this way. I don't want my life to be like my brothers. I look up and I see Samaria. Sennacherib's coming against them and conquering them. Hosea's the last king of Israel. That split the 10, the 10 tribes that divided and went north. The separated family, the separated 10, two tribes here that stayed, they've been separated. They're being conquered. We don't want that to happen here. And the Bible says it happened suddenly. It's as if everybody near him got involved. Let's open up the house of God. Let's open up the temple. Let's get the altar out. Let's have a day of atonement. Let's begin to bring the sacrifice. And then, then it hit Hezekiah. This isn't just for two of us. 
this is not just for this not just for two tribes he said because the old prophet Elijah when he wanted to see a nation that was dried up with the drought in Samaria how many remember that you know what he did he got 12 stones out he didn't just get 10 stones out that day he got 12 stones out and he built an altar out of 12 stones why because there's 12 tribes and he knew anytime God is going to move on somebody's life, he's not just going to touch one. He wants to touch all. He doesn't want to do something just in you. He wants to do something in you and then through you. If you only understood the power of an altar, the power of a conversion, it will not only impact you, Timothy, he said, but it's going to impact those that hear you. It's for you and your children. He said it's going to, it's going to impact you and your kids. God's going to have compassion on them and he will not turn his face from them. One of my greatest fears would be is to go to talk to God and he doesn't listen. Go to need a healing. One of my babies are sick. And go to him and he's not listening to me because my heart is so far from him. God forbid the day my kids have a situation and they don't have any hope that it can be better because they've never known a God that can. Hezekiah said, I bear the scars in my feet. Because of what my dad did, taking me away from the house of God and put me in. I bear the scars. I don't know if he lent. I can't prove it. Some believe that even at one point he showed his, he showed his feet to God when he says. He was scarred by somebody else's decision. But when he got in the word, he started realizing I don't have to live like this forever. And it's not fair for me to get it by myself. What the sin divided, it's time to bring it back together again I might as well preach what I feel some of you have been separated from family separated from people that loved you you loved them but sin got in and started doing this number I'm telling you under the authority of God if you'll bend your knee and humble yourself what the devil's trying to separate he's going to bring back together because that's what he does that's what he's good at Somebody say amen. I feel like preaching. I'm off what I'd planned right now. But we said only unto you so long as we both shall live. What God has put together. I've said it at 100 plus weddings I preach. What God has put together, let no man put asunder. But Sennacherib has, has created a threat. Look at your neighbor and say, he's coming after you. He wants you to be dead like the other person. He wants you to be a statistic like the other person. He wants to put you in some place that seems like there's no hope and no recovery. But somebody found the old book and realized there's no place too far that you can't turn. There's no place too far you can't come back. You can turn again to God and I know that he can do it. So here's what he did. Look at your neighbor and say, he can do it. I hear it today. I hear it in my spirit. I hear somebody saying, you don't know what I've done. Nobody knows. I'm, I'm, I'm too far gone. I, I'm a helpless case. and I'm surprised that the building is still standing because I came in here today. Somebody told me that one time. I looked down, there was a boat laying on the ground. And they said, look, it's already happening. I said, trust me, the people I pastor, if it hadn't fallen in yet, I think you're okay. 
I think you're all right. I'm too far gone. Maybe you're here today and you said, look at the scars of my family that's on me. I was abused as a kid, molested, abused, broken. One study said 90 plus percent of kids that come through a divorce blame themselves instead of the parents. Brokenness and division. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm just here to tell you what the devil would like to do. He'd like to scatter your mind, scatter your emotions where you have no purpose and you'd rather die than live. That's not the will of God. Come on, I'm telling somebody today that's thinking about taking your life and you said it, you said it three days ago that I'd be better off dead than alive. I've come to tell you that's not true. You're valuable to God. Your family needs you. That mama loves you. Don't you dare think that way. Don't you dare think that way. And I realize you're saying, but I've made too many mistakes. If I just hadn't went down that road, if I just wouldn't have hooked up with him, if I just wouldn't have started that way of life, then you know what? You know what? You, you then, 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 if I'd have never done that, then all of this mess wouldn't be. There's probably some truth to that. But you don't have to die in regret. You can get a hold of a miracle working God that can fix what you broke, that can fix what you separated, that can fix what you tore apart. Only God can do it. Only God can do it. Somebody shout, only God can do it. That's what Calvary is about. Easter's not about him dying. Easter's about supernatural resurrection. It's about bringing life to something that should not be alive. It's about something, even Jesus, when he appeared before Herod and Philip, and there was a great strait between them because over family matters, but just in the presence of Jesus, the Bible says they got back together and started talking again. You know what? Some of you came in here because somebody invited you to come. You came in here because somebody said, I want you to come. But you know what you're going to get out of today? you're going to feel the peace of God and things that have been separated are going to start coming back your way because that's what he can do. Is there anybody here when I'm preaching this morning? He can fix it. He can fix it. He can fix it. He said it's not good enough. It's not good enough that I'm restored. It's not good enough that Jerusalem is what it's supposed to be. We've got family that's in Samaria. We're not going to build an altar. We're not, we're not going to build an altar just for me and my household. Oh, no, no, no. There's God's children that are scattered into Samaria. Here's what we're going to do. Before we do anything else, we're going to send a letter. We're going to send a letter. And that letter is going to go to all. Everybody say all of Israel. Look at your neighbor and say, you're part of the all. Oh, preacher, me? You mean me all? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all, somebody shout all, should come to repentance. You're a part of his all. You were made in the image of God. You're not the descendant of a monkey. Come on, you're not the descendant of a, of a missing link. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made by God. 
Listen, I realize why you're doing things that you do. Because you have no self-worth. You were beat down and walked through things that you didn't want to walk through that somebody else's decision caused you to do it. And you're bearing the scars of them in every step you take. you got to live in the scars of somebody else's decision. And you feel broken. And how could I ever walk righteous? How could I ever get through this? How could I ever be better? I'm going to tell you why. Because there was a nail that went through two of his feet. Why did they go through the two of his feet? So your feet could heal. So you could walk in righteousness and have a better life, a better way, and a better day. Somebody say amen. Stand. Brother Harden, stand up. Stand up. I know you haven't been feeling well. When he came here, he'd been away from God for 13 years, I think it was. 16? 16 years was involved many years ago in the church here in town. Walked away from the Lord. Addiction was a part of his life. During COVID, I preached. I preached and uh, I saw, I saw you repenting the window. Wasn't long your sister came. I looked and your mom came. She had addictions in her life. Away from the Lord. Came back and I was preaching like this today and the Lord sent me to him. Battling bone cancer. He was sitting on the back row and the Lord sent me to him. And when I got to him, I said, the Lord says he wants to restore you if you'll just turn to him and repent. And he did. And when he repented, God healed him, delivered him of every addiction and healed him. I know that he can do it. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me. I come to preach to you victory as a song. And you wonder why his hands are lifted and tears are flowing. Because he's not an addict any longer. He's not lost any longer. He's home with his whole family. I need to finish. Listen to me today. When he realized what God could do, it's not just for me. I'm tired of the chaos in my family, the chaos in my brothers, the chaos in my dad and dad lost. I can't live this way no more. When he realized he could change, he said it's time to send the invitation to everybody. All of Israel. And so they made a law. Before we do anything else, we're going to send a letter. We're going to invite everybody to the Passover. Because it's the Passover lamb that allows you to have forgiveness of sins. Are you listening to this preacher today? It's the Passover lamb that allows you to step out of your mistake into a brand new beginning. It's the Passover lamb that allows you to be forgiven for what you regretfully did. You live in guilt. Feel condemned and unworthy because of things you did, things you've said. He said, we've all been here. He said, but it's not just for me to have another chance. He said, I'm going to extend it for everybody to have a chance. So they sent letters, Brother Nehemiah, all to all of Israel. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the letters went out to all of Israel. 
They said, hey. And he writes it something like this. We want you to come. We want you to come home. We want you to come to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover with us. You know what that means? We want you to come and get forgiven so you can have a good year. It's going to, it's going to push your sins away. It's going to push your sins back. That's what the Passover was about. A lamb, instead of you dying for your mistake, the lamb died. Did you hear me? Can I preach Calvary just for a minute? Jesus died on the cross so you didn't have to. He died so you didn't have to die for your mistake. So you wouldn't have to be punished for your mistake at judgment. He became, instead of you dying, he died. And that's what Hezekiah was understanding. Because we've all sinned and we all need a Passover lamb. I know it's been a long time. But it's been a long time coming. He said, well, won't you come to Jerusalem? And I want you to turn again. Everybody say again. Everybody say Turn. It's pretty simple. The word in the New Testament for that is repent. Turn. I'm going that way, but I'm going back home to God. Jerusalem was a place where God met man. That's why Jesus died in Jerusalem. So you could come home to Him. To be without God is to be broken, to have chaos, and no protection from Sennacherib coming into your life. But if you'll come home to Him, He's going to preserve you and protect you from the things that's trying to destroy your mind, your family, and your children. He said, for if you turn again to the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that lead them captive, so that they shall come again into this land. Everybody say, a land of prosperity. For the Lord your God is gracious that means giving you what you don't deserve and forgiving you and keeping from you what you do deserve. Look at your neighbor and say, you know you need grace and mercy. I'm about to finish. I did this. When we revival began to break here in, in Zanesville, what God was doing for us individually. A prophet was standing here preaching. I was sitting over here. He turned to me and said, Pastor Bounds, I want you to send a letter to every backslider that you know. And I want you to put in this in the letter about coming back to the house of God. Jesus is coming soon. I tell you how many believe he's coming soon. You don't want to die with sin in your life. As a tree falleth, so shall it lie. You don't want to be facing the wrong direction when you die. Why are you preaching? It's because I love every single one of you in this room. We've all sinned and went the wrong way. The whole power of Calvary is that you can turn away from sin and the wrong things you're doing and what you can't lay down. He said, I'm going to get rid of it for you. Somebody say amen. I sent a letter. Sorry, I'm sorry that you backslid and that maybe nobody reached out to you. I want you to know there's a home waiting on you until Jesus comes. Why don't you come back to the house of God? Because the house of God represents that place, that Jerusalem in your life. How many believe that? They're coming back to church now. Oh, have you heard they're in church now? That's a, that's a phrase that Christians use. Why? Because that's where they go worship God and pray to God. It's a house of prayer. Somebody, amen. 
you know what I had somebody call me and say? Brother Chris Rose, somebody called me and said when I got the letter, they said, you, you mean I can come home with a question mark? I can come home? You let me come home? You, you mean you would let me come home? I've got addictions. You would let me come home? I said, you're not going to get delivered sitting on your couch. Cross wasn't something to run away from. It was something to run to. Church isn't a place you run from when you, when you sin. It's a place you run to when you sin. Come on, we've got it backwards. I go to him. I cast all my care on him. For he careth. Somebody shout, he cares for me. I said, what do you mean? Yes, you can come home. And then it was almost like this. It goes to an exclamation. I can come home. It's no longer a question. It's a declaration. I can come. I wish somebody out there would shout, I can come home. You're not too far, not too long away that you can come home. You can come home to the master. You can come home to Jesus. You can come home to your Savior. He's one prayer away. Let's all stand to our feet. Look at your neighbor and say, you can come home. Amen. Amen. You can move back to the house of God and restore. Some of you are in question right now. If you only knew what I did, preacher, not asking what you did. I'm just telling you where the lamb is at. Can I, can I say this to you? Is don't let somebody's sins and imperfection keep you from God who is perfect. Well, they did this to me. They did this. Somebody said it. Don't let what somebody's wrong do it keep you from a God that's never done you wrong. Amen. Elbow your neighbor and say, I can come home. I can't come home. I said, I can come home. I hope you hear this country boy's voice in your head all day long saying, I can come home. Somebody shout with me, I can come home. And when he did, and he sent the letters out, here they came for the first time in 210 years. What was once the nation of Israel, now the nation of Judah and Israel, come back together the first time over 200 years and they had a Passover together. Because what sin divided, the Passover brings together. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not just for you. It's for you and your children. Somebody shout, and all. God doesn't just want to fix you. He's going to fix everything connected to you. That's what he wants to do. He's going to fix the wayward kid. He's going to fix the way. I'm telling you, somebody shout, God's going to fix the broken heart. Sennacherib, after Israel comes down and worships with Judah, Hosea, the king of Israel, is now conquered and it's, it's dispersed, but those that have come down. Come on out, praise team. But what you will find is when he threatened, he said, who do you think you are, Hezekiah, that you're gonna, your God's gonna protect you from me? Who 
Do you think, look at your neighbor and say, who do you think you are? For some reason, I feel like that's not the first time you said that to them. Who do you think you are? The Bible says that Hezekiah went to the house of God and prayed. God, there's an attack against the nation. There's an attack against my family. There's an attack. The Bible says when he prayed, the prophet Isaiah heard from the Lord and went to him and said, what Sennacherib says he's going to do is not going to happen. What he's done to everybody else, he's not going to be able to do to you. I think somebody ought to shout hallelujah. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. What the fear. Listen, some of you living in fear. It's not, if you give your life to God, it's not going to happen. What he's done to others, he cannot do to you. Hezekiah gets up, receives the word from the prophet, and the next day, guess what happens? Sennacherib's army, in one night, one angel went there and 185,000 of his army died overnight. They were corpses laying all over the land. 185,000. I don't care how many things are against you and your family. One prayer meeting. One moment with God. 40 years of addiction to alcohol. 40 years of addiction. 40 years of, 10 years of fentanyl. It doesn't matter. Those addictions can die in one night. Wake up free. Wake up free. Somebody say amen. Amen. When Sennacherib woke up and his army's dead, the Bible says he in shame shamed, went to Nineveh to worship his false god and his own two boys turned on him and killed him. Brother Archer, his own boys turned on him and killed Sennacherib. And when it did, they fled and went to Armenia. Look at your neighbor and say, Armenia. You know what Armenia means? Armenia means, it means reverse the curse. And what was against you is going to be a turnaround against them. No longer am I cursed, but those that have come against me are going to reap what they try to put on me. I'm talking about the devil right now. I know an old prophet, old prophet, had a local witch to call him and curse him down in Louisiana, T.W. Barnes. Try to put fear on him, and a witch caught him. And said, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. He said, oh, no, it's not. I reverse the curse back on you. The spirit you've tried to send to destroy me, I put it back on you. That witch later called him that night and said, you've got to pray. This thing's tormenting me. This thing has come against me. You've got to stop this spirit from attacking me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, I'm tired of suicide in the family. I'm tired of depression in the family. I'm tired of brokenness. I come to tell you, he can give you victory today. Somebody shout, victory has a song. And when they came, I'm trying to quit, but when they came, Brother Nehemiah, the Bible says that they went, there was such a revival that broke out in all of Israel and all of Judah that the revival, they went, tore down every idol 
They didn't only do it in Jerusalem. They went all the way up in Zebulun. They went up into in Naphtali. They went up and they started tearing down everything that wasn't like God. Nothing like this had happened in over 200 years. But when one man built an altar and said, I want the house of God to be in my life. I want to seek the Lord again. It began to heal what 200 years hadn't fixed. I want somebody to say, God's about to heal my family. Do you believe God can fix it? Some of you are standing in the midst of unreconcilable differences. Broken things that you say, it's too broken to ever be fixed. I come to tell you, that's a lie from hell. God's about to do the miraculous. I know that he can do it. I know that he can do it. I wish somebody of faith would shout right now, I know that he can do it. Tell two or three people around you, I know that he can do it. They had, the fa- they had the Passover. The lamb was slain and they started singing. It sounds like Pentecost. Began to worship and praising him. I wish somebody around the building would just take a moment and start worshiping God for what he's about to do in your family. Come on, clap your hands and lift your voices. And God's about to fix it. Come on, you're watching online. God's about to fix it. God's about to fix it. We're going to worship, then we're going to go eat. Any Easter celebrators in the building? I know what that means. That means food. But for a moment right now, we're going to worship Him. Because it's because of His resurrection power that your cancer can be healed. That your family can reunite. That depression can be, come on, obliterated from your... I want you to tap somebody on the shoulder and say, God can get rid of your depression today. Anxiety today. Come on, you've got a 14-year-old kid in this building and you're so terrified what's going to happen to them because of their choices. God can turn that 14-year-old kid around to where they want to be right. They want to, I'm telling you, He can do it. I said the Lord can do it. Somebody shout, God can do it. Sing it, go ahead. I've seen cancer disappear Ha-ha. And I've seen broken bodies heal Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it I've seen real love Let's lift our hands and believe Come on, all the building, lift your heart with your hands Don't and believe you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.